Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting, interesting. the podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet, often entertaining, rarely conservative, frequently informative, occasionally occasionally interesting. interesting. What's the most unrealistic thing you believe in? So if I believe in it, then I, by, you know, by definition, don't think it's unrealistic, kind of. So I bet uh, other people will probably say that it is unrealistic. You know, the kind of changes that I just, I see as completely inevitable. Yeah, it's just, just how, how the world is just going. It's just naturally going in that direction. And there is just a lot of chaos around us and people are, you know, and naysayers. Yeah. But it's just not going to, you know, if you go 100 years back in time, you know, you would have the exact same thing if someone said we were going where we are right now. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be inconceivable. Yeah. And things are going at such a much faster pace right now. I mean, if we look back at the Industrial Revolution, um, changes then and there were you know riots and chaos and stuff happening back then um, but we're going at four to five times the pace right at now least, right? so with, with automation and, and everything and uh, I think with you know, isn't it predicted right now that 2042 is the what's it called time where technology then like knows everything uh, like the point of singularity or, oh, yeah, or like, yeah. like, like, like that, AI will become so like that it will be able to start making machines and then yeah, you know, yeah. agriculture and everything will take care of us for us and we can just yeah there's definitely there's been a lot of back and forth on the whole discussion on, on this uh, you know supercomputer uh, AI self learning you know if it's going to be a dystopia if it's happening within the next four years or it's going to be utopia or, but either way what we know is that automation is going to make us work less or work in a different way. I remember are you familiar with the website politicalcompass.org? Yeah. Plots your political. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Why coordinates? Mm. Mm. Yeah, bottom left. Or, yeah you know, yeah. Um, one of the questions that I remember, I remember this like from, uh, like, I took this in high school, so years and years and years mm. ago. Um, feel free to <laughs> go ahead. Uh, it's like, if economic globalization is inevitable, should it primary, primarily serve corporations or the individuals? Mm. That always seemed like a no-brainer to me. But I was, like, I, I've always gone back to that. Like, it's a, you know, There's a clear left and right kind of distinction mm. factor there. Um, but I think what struck me most about the question is like, if economic globalization is inevitable, it doesn't really seem like a realistic question to me. It seems like an inevitability. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to happen. There's no stopping it. I mean, mm. we, we do have a little bit of say whether it is going to be a dystopia or a utopia. Mm. But even that, I think there's really only like, we don't have as much choice as we f- think we really do in the matter. Like, mm-hmm. just like inevitably, we're going to have to do away with borders. Like, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But, we might as well start planning for it yeah, because yeah. it's here. It's it's knocking on the door, mm. and the more we try to fight it, the more crazy it's going to get. Until mm. we're like, all right, fine, screw it, yeah, <laughs> like just go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really like I like your attitude about it. Of like, start doing it. Let's mm-hmm. get it done. Let's, yeah, let's make sure it goes in the like, utopianistic direction. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And uh, also with the, with the borders, we have to also see that. I mean, we're already seeing it happen to some degree. I mean, think about the EU and how they, you know add in one more country here now. It happens to be called the European Union. Maybe it should have just been called the country union or something. <laughs> and so that is more open for, for other countries. We also have, you know, even just the Commonwealth. Uh, it's easier trans- transition between, you know, Canada, UK, Australia, India, uh, and the others uh, than it is 
between other countries. So, so um, we're already seeing some collaboration across countries when it comes to borders, and it's just about making that like a, a full-on global effort. I'm guessing no, North Korea is going to be the last one to join. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hope that it, that pace is being accelerated with climate change and mm. the rise of refugees due to climate change. Yeah. And we're going to have to start to break down and, and these borders or, I mean, when you have millions of people that don't have anywhere to go, that's yeah. a really, it's a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. so many different levels. Mm-hmm. If there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be? I mean, stop doing is, I would say, is... Um, like people do be a little bit aware of their tribalistic behavior it's very easy i mean so it's just part of human nature and i notice it with myself too and uh, if i notice that an opinion that i'm you know if i notice that i'm inclined to defend an opinion uh just because that's what people like me uh, think, i check myself and go and look into that opinion even if it's something that i just like you know sometimes it's something ridiculous like uh, one thing that's like very easy for me to dismiss, you know, in my tribe is, and, and I still do it, but I'm just saying that I did look into it. And that is like people that are anti-vaccines. Uh, that was just like, you know, I know 100% that my tribe is like very pro-vaccines. Okay, but okay, so let's just see what the, but I, I did make, make the con- conscious effort to just go and look, no, do not just take that 100% for granted, even though I'm 100% pro-vaccines. It's just like the fact that yeah. I took... I think that. you can feel when the difference, yeah. like in the argument that you're making, whether it's logical or yeah. emotional. And exactly. like sometimes we just, because of our tribe, we instantly yeah. move these emotional mm. arguments. Like, mm. kidding me? Like, of yeah. course you'd vaccinate, but without yeah. having, like, you know, if you haven't looked it up, then you, what, what I, argument are you really making? Yeah, if you exactly. never took the time to do a little bit of research. Yeah. Like, and, and, um, I mean, I, I know that it is too much to ask because, uh, you know, most people don't have the time and energy to, to, uh, you know, human nature is kind of like it's a fast way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, it requires, you know, if someone's a, a parent of five and, you know, I have two jobs and, and uh, you know, I can't ask them to, to take a, a ton of time to, you know, recalibrate every single opinion that they have inside their heads. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's too much to ask for, but, um, but I, I uh, hope that someday it will become more of a, a virtue or common knowledge as a virtue to, to double check these opinions. I don't think that's too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's too much. Yeah. That seems like the that perfect be, time to be questioning yeah. your things. Yeah, so you're passing I mean, this on to your five children. Like yeah. maybe you should pass on critical thinking. What yeah. more valuable skill do we have at this point in humanity, especially mm-hmm. as it moves forward into technology being so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, the, so what I'm saying, when I'm saying um, that it, I think it might be too much to ask for is also just that I don't think we should be judgmental by the fact that people are still in that and, yeah, have empathy with them, well, and when we notice it, uh, I think we can be judgmental and have empathy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Some some balance of the two, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but lead by example. Lead by example, and um, certainly don't polarize yourself to, even yeah. further away from them. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. And try to passion. try to create a future that is unifying in nature. Yeah, and that might be a tall ask. Yeah. <laughs> what is the most annoying thing about people? Again, the, I mean, and that is coming from someone who moved from, from Europe to America. Uh, we grew up in a European culture and is now mostly in an American culture. It's, uh, it's again, it comes back to this emotional argument. Um, Norway in particular, we have um, humility is a very strong part of our culture, um, which 
sadly also, you know, don't believe you're anything special as part of it, but it also means, you know, like your opinions aren't really worth anything. You need to listen to the experts. It's like the opposite of American culture. I, yeah, I feel like that is total opposite yeah. to what I was You are saying. a special snowflake and your opinion is always the most valid one. Yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. let anybody else mm-hmm. tell you differently. Yeah. yeah. So how has this and, been and moving to have you? Yeah. So the people having strong opinions and also strongly advocating on opinions based on emotions. Um, that, that is something that annoys me about other people. Um, but again, I mean, try to have empathy and, and, and uh, you know, they, they were born and raised in this culture and, and, you know, whoever's loud is, it's just what, what people are trained to. And you get really shamed mm-hmm. as an American if you don't behave that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if there's a topic that you're like, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Like mm-hmm. you are going to get oh, for sure. verbally destroyed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that is uh, just the current reality. And uh, I hope we can move towards a different kind of and um, um, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about that. I mean, I'm very sad about the whole Iran thing. And, you know, um, I was very sad when, when Trump got elected. Uh, but I also hope that we can get a, a healthy counter reaction, uh, which isn't, you know, which is, isn't just the same kind of violence from the left, but or the same kind of violent language from the left, but, that, but uh, something that is actually unifying. Um, so, because I think that is the true counter reaction to what is currently going on is, is something that pulls from all sides, not something that is strong on the other side. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. I was a part of this, uh, like social media movement for the, it was called the big 100, the first 100 days of Trump's presidency, mm-hmm. where it was alerting people to a different issue where every day they could take individual action, like within the scale of whatever, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And it was like. It was, uh, it's one of the best movements I've seen on the internet ever. Wow, yeah. And I wish that it was something like that every day. Because there's so many mm-hmm. people, I feel like everybody wants to do good, and they don't know where to start. And yeah. it all just feels overwhelming to yeah. be like, there's so many things mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. There's so many things that are mm-hmm. upsetting, and where do yeah. we start? And it's easier, and feels like you're doing something to just moan about what's happening rather yeah. than... It's like yeah. convergence of really, really uncontrollable factors of like social media the fact that our media organizations in general are just totally biased and really it's all these factors are like they're coming to a head yeah absolutely but i mean then again america is huge but the world is even bigger so it seems like it's happening Hmm. all over the yeah, at least, yeah. at least, at least from you know the news that is on you know any feed that I've been mm-hmm. a part of seems like it's there's similar conversations, similar arguments mm-hmm. happening all over the world. I mean, simultaneously though, you do see things like Hong Kong, Chile, like all these different yeah. uprisings. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's going back to like the Arab Springs. Like it's mm-hmm. all sort of it keeps trying to like we're I, there's going to be a breakthrough point sometime soon, yeah. hopefully. I mean, mm-hmm. But it's interesting yeah. to watch it kind of like yeah, exactly, yeah cycle through its momentum so yeah no i'm i'm uh, hopeful for the next presidential election let's note that you're wearing a yang 2020 shirt oh yeah Woo. oh yeah yang 2020. <laughs> we like yang so, uh, i thought i thought it was bernie's supporter through and through and then uh, this and then guy just yang coming up and, yeah. then, and read it <laughs> yeah, like, yeah who is this guy and then yeah. i just, yeah i like a lot of his uh no i i and I really appreciate that Bernie came into the scene in 2016 and uh, changed the political climate, honestly, a little bit. I'm not sure how much better the situation would be right now if 
if it was Hillary that was elected president, because I wouldn't have had the same hope for the next election. Totally right. I agree. Mm, I agree good way so of hard. At it. Yeah. Certainly a positive yeah. way of looking at mm. it. Again, I yeah. think I talk oh. about how I think there would have just been a lot more complacency right now. Like we are in the middle of a huge oh, yeah, momentum building mm. up and like a big pendulum swing. And especially with climate change, people are getting really fucking freaked out because yeah. they realize the U.S. has backed out of all international agreements yeah. and now we're starting to really see the you, actual ramifications. So, like, I mean, your mother sent us a picture of them at the Women's March in Philadelphia and it didn't look all that well attended. Like, is there... You've been in the States probably more recently than we have. Mm-hmm. What do you think the climate is in your... Uh, uh, I mean, definitely... I mean, when you said climate, you mean political climate? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so whenever someone asks me what's the best and worst thing about America, I, I always say the worst thing is the political climate. I used to live in London. Um, so right now I'm in New York City most of the time, and I used to live in London. Um, the cities are comparable in terms of how they're melting pots with just all kinds of culture. Um, it's uh, and in London this just flows much more much more easily. Um, America is a trickier place to do this, both because of culture and recent history. Um, but it definitely is, is painful and tricky uh, over there. And uh, but but you know I try to even though it's hard try to just lead with a good example and just do my thing. I think that's well, that's the best thing that we can just really do. Yeah, totally. Do do anything. Yeah. Don't do, other than talking at the bar about. <laughs> yeah. So and and it is easy to try you know just anywhere getting caught up in discussions and you know feeling like you know my own getting my opinions out there are is, is a really important thing but no you know actually just investing in the future and doing good things i think is, is just is more important than being part of a big culture war couldn't have said it better myself what is something that is really popular now but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by and i think we're already starting to get embarrassed by instagram uh and uh, uh i think instagram's just gonna have a, a similar trajectory as um uh, Twitter, where it's just going to become more specified, uh, it's going to have a more specific audience, and people are going to use it for different things. Uh, while for a while, it's just like kind of anyone and everything, and everyone's kind of like looking up to all these influencers and their amazing lives. And at this point, we know, you know, there's a, a, an hour-long camera setup for those photos. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's something. Um, I mean, other things. Yeah, I, I I would kind of like to say that the virtue signaling currently going on with climate change. I just, I hope so. I hope that this is going to become more of a scientific discussion where people will be a bit embarrassed about how much emotion they were putting into it. And um, yeah, I I just hope that we're going to have some smart people in power that will make the right decisions and we'll actually see results from them. And people will be like, oh, that's that's what actually mattered. And people will be a bit embarrassed. I like your vision of the yeah, future. Yeah, I lot. really, really I, enjoy how hopeful you are. It's, yeah. it's refreshing. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about yourself? I mean, if I'm going to be uh, completely honest, I mean, the biggest privilege, I mean, privilege is a very loaded word in today's political climate. Um, and, uh, you know, some people will say that I'm not that privileged for being, you know, I, I could have been a white man, you know, I'm, instead I'm a white <laughs> woman, you know, like it's the... As people on the far left like to create this like big hierarchy, but I think the ultimate privilege is uh, being born into um, a mentally healthy family or, or a family that creates a, an environment where you grow up to be mentally healthy, and um, then being resourceful in terms of intelligence. Um, th- those are the things that can put you in a position where 
you not only are privileged, but have a responsibility. And um, I'm, I'm glad I was fostered in this kind of environment and that I got the brain that I got and yeah, was able to get through, you know, computer science and, and uh, I'm a, a good abstract thinker. Um, yeah, so there are definitely downsides, but that there are a lot of skills that other people have that I don't have. But for me, I feel like that's one of my biggest strengths. What is your most embarrassing story from childhood? I have a kind of a funny story from childhood, which is um, in third grade. So I was around 10 years old. Um, I'm just a naturally very curious person. Another thing uh, that is, uh, I'm always late. I, I was late for this interview. <laughs> I'm always late. Uh, this was after woodcraft. I'm not, like in, in school. Uh, that's one of the our creative classes is like woodcrafting. Uh, everyone had left. I was the last one to leave, even after the teacher left. And I'm like packing up my bag, you know, heading out. I could walk home from school, and uh, I'm outside the classroom. And on the wall, I see a fire alarm, uh, like the one with like the little glass thing. And I'm just like, I just go up to it and look at it, and uh, I'm kind of curious, you know. And then I just knock my finger on on the glass harder than I think I thought I did because I started the whole fire alarm for the whole school, um, which was definitely a very embarrassing thing. Did they? Did you get caught? Uh, I I turned myself in immediately, and I had this hilarious thing where I went outside. So then everyone's running out the school building, uh, and. I go, I go and I yell. I put my arms out and I'm like, stop! <laughs> I started the fire. <laughs> and then I ran and found a teacher and just told him immediately that I'm the one that started the fire alarm. Oh, a a funny so thing. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> a funny thing is that older brother of one of my friends then, he asked me about why I did it. Uh, and then I was like, I told him that I just couldn't not. <laughs> that was how I phrased it. This is something I learned like 15 years later. I ran into a friend of his because apparently I had like in the, I was in third grade, but in like the older grades, I had like kind of a reputation for being a badass because, <laughs> because of that response. Uh, but what I meant was just, you know, I was so curious. I wanted to inspect it. Not that I like couldn't not start the fire alarm, but whatever. I got that reputation. I don't mind. Nice. Mm-hmm. Did you get in trouble? No, I did. I went to go and see the principal um, and we did talk about it. I remember I was like very nervous, like palms were sweaty, but I didn't actually get, I was a pretty good student. I mean, albeit a bit like anti-authoritarian uh, and, uh, but, but not, I was, I was a good, I was a good kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the book that has most influenced your life? Uh, the one that comes to mind is, uh, I mean, so my recent favorite book is The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, but um, one that I read at like a, turning point in my life is surely I must be joking Mr. Feynman um which uh yeah uh, Richard Feynman's uh, uh late uh, Nobel he's no, no Nobel physics uh, prize winner um and uh it's a book which is a bunch of small stories from his life but uh he just really resonates with me in terms of how his personality is uh where he's pretty easygoing and just you know do things that are important and that you like and uh, um, yeah so he he was like I said a Nobel Prize winning physicist he was also a musician he was a drummer at a ballet and he lived all over the world um, he was just really what I the kind of person that I want to be uh, completely open-minded and um, um, also yeah focuses on living his life 
uh, and the way that I can contribute in the best way possible. Um, and I, I read that during a time where I felt like I had to make a lot of decisions in my life, but then realizing that I can kind of do, it's okay to do, to be a little bit of everything. He's awesome. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. And it's only, it's a, such an easy read and it's only like 120 pages long or something. And, and like, I'll little, read it to you while you're lying in bed yeah, this week. <laughs> bite-sized stories. What life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced? Um, I've had a lot of different stints here. Um, I have, I mean, I feel like an answer that a lot of people give to this question is meditation, which has been something that I've done seriously more than the average person. I've been to three silent retreats total. So like 10 day um, meditation retreats, like meditating 10 hours a day for 10 days in a row kind of thing. It's very well. impressive. Yeah. 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 Totally. Didn't make it 10 days. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so, so that one um, is important. Um, I don't keep a daily practice now. I depended more on that when my days were more fluid. Right now my days are not as fluid. I, I still think it would be good if I did maintain, but I don't currently, and I'm okay with that. Um, I need I depended on it when my days were more fluid. Uh, other things, um, just in general, uh, working remotely, a lot of things that I've um, I, I eat. I mean, I eat very healthily, and and I um, exercise regularly. Those are some things. But in general, what I would say is just making sure I don't spend energy on things that are I don't think you know will necessarily produce a good result like such as deciding to get up at 6 a.m every morning for me that would like that would cost me something and i would rather take that energy and put it into safety wing or other things that i find are important uh, rather than try to force myself into something that you know i think would be good yeah mm, which, good to know yourself yeah mm, i think of willpower as a limited reserve so yeah, uh, and I, I try to use it for the things that matter. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should just be the early ride. Maybe, maybe I'm trying to force you into a mold that works for me and doing you a disservice. We've been trying to develop a morning routine since our lives are very fluid. Yeah. We probably need, like, definitely need mm -hmm. a bit more structure. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he is like a very strict cutoff time. It's like he won't work after four and I will work as much as I possibly can force myself into the wee hours of the night. And then I have trouble falling asleep yeah. because I've been interacting with screens and haven't like done anything to shut my brain down. Yeah. So I pretty much always fall asleep at least two hours after him. Yeah. And then, but and then I'm trying to wake up at the same time as him and I can't do it. I'm just like... Yeah, so I mean, this is a point of contention in a lot of relationships. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, I have the same thing with but my boyfriend. He's more of an early riser. And I aspire to be the early, yeah. an early riser, though. It's just, I have to like work on both ends. And it's just mm -hmm. like a cyclical thing, you know? If I if I do wake up early, then I don't need to be working as late into the night. And mm -hmm. I just have to like switch and then stay on it. But then life, anytime life throws anything at me, it always pushes me to be late, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you mm -hmm. seem like you're experienced in that. Maybe, maybe they were thinking about it all along. I don't know. You seem to work well in the evening. No, I don't like working in the evening. Okay, anyway, that's fine about this later. <laughs> no, that's uh, fine. Come to a good conclusion. What is the most environmentally friendly thing you do, or would like other and would like others to do? Um, I mean, I am vegetarian. That is a thing that I do. Um, I fly a lot of airplanes. Um, a lot of it for work, but also, I mean, I have family in Norway, uh, my boyfriend's family in Vietnam. I probably don't eat enough 
the vegetables to make up for all the plane trips that I take. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's it's much to expect everyone to to contribute a lot. I feel like one one of the things that we should uh, think about before trying to make you know make people make. For example, living a more, having a more expensive diet uh, is not something we can expect everyone to do. I mean, I I buy organic and whatever you know. I shop at at like fancy, uh, you know, super nice supermarkets and go to restaurants that are, you know are good and blah blah blah. You know, try to avoid plastic, whatever you know. But if uh, if plastic's more expensive than than uh, no, if if uh, paper is more expensive than plastic, and then you can't expect someone poor to make that decision. So I, I think um, shifting the whole conversation towards um, eradicating poverty on a global scale, uh, I think is um, more important than trying to shame or judge other people for for not doing those for not, for example, being vegetarian and uh, recycling, especially in countries where you can't even recycle. I mean, yeah. It's one of the best answers we've heard. I mean, like, like food deserts and those kind of things are a very interesting topic for me. Like, mm. uh, because of the psychology of the way, not only of, of, of being poor and the culture that comes from being poor, mm. but then also the way that affluent people tend to, to judge or look at their situation is the dynamic is, is problematic because there's such a lack of understanding between the two. Mm. And how many problems are solved by eliminating poverty? Like we've been recently having a conversation about population growth is troubling because you know we could we can recycle or even reduce how much we use as much as we want, Mm -hmm. but if we continue to have an exponential population growth, then you know it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, But the one thing you know, so what do you do? You could you could get governments to say you're only allowed one kid, or you or you can recognize that the more a society becomes affluent, the less children they have. Exactly. Yeah, it's very inversely uh, correlated to, yeah. to GDP. Yeah. So. Which, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. Um, where are we at? <laughs> Would you say you guys are political twins? We certainly seem to, to, to fall, yes. I've, there's not one thing that you've said so far that I haven't been like, ah, yes, 100%. Oh. <laughs> It. I feel like that doesn't happen very often. No, he was very excited when he heard everything you talked about. Yeah, I was interested. I mean, the reason why I worded the question in the beginning, like privatize, is you know I wanted to see how you, how you would answer. Like, what's the difference between because you come off as very trusting? I want to trust you. I want to you know like I I get the feeling that you mean what you're saying and that ultimately you're building something that could achieve what you're trying to achieve. The cynical part of me says that any organization that is for profit or that there is profit to be had in is ultimately going to become a slave to that and thus fall to the same means and ends that, yeah. that any corporation that we see now is has done and it worries me and how, how then you would set yourself away from the idea of yeah. I'm not a big fan of privatizing social security or, you know, mm. like, uh, but I do not recognize that something needs to be done mm. and we need to get rid of privatizing does have a lot of benefits though. Mm. like it, it, there are benefits that we need yeah. in order to mm. maintain that type of yeah. efficiency and yeah. ingenuity I mean when we talk about the free market or even use the word capitalism I mean capitalism has a bit of an evil ring to it uh, but to me, that expression just means human nature on a macro level. Um, and then well, how we need to handle it. I mean, if you look at 
human nature on a macro level, that's essentially just a ton of humans. And I, I like to imagine that as a river. You can't stop it, but you can try to direct it. You can put up things uh, uh, as a society, whether it's as a government or a private company. You can put up things to shift it in, in directions that are overall beneficial or yeah, to the individual or to their lives. That being said, though, I mean, I'm quite aware that, um, I mean, when we're saying private or public, so public means national or, or a country, and a country isn't inherently good. It's still uh, created by humans, and um, it can be good, it can be bad, and it can be good at some point when it has a good leader and can be bad at another point when it has a bad leader. And um, uh, it's not inherently better or worse than a corporation. Um, same way, you know, there are good corporations and bad corporations. Certainly. I mean, I think part of this conversation is we're using sort of really loaded terms like country or government yeah. or... and. In a, in a way, in a conversation that's so fluid and dynamic that these terms are going to be, the, you're, you're messing with the definition of these very entities mm. that you're trying to define and discuss. Mm. So it's like, you know, yeah, like it could be a government, like, you know, but like what, what's a tax then? So mm-hmm. we're talking like, is it really, would, would you still call it a tax or is that too loaded of a term? Yeah. You know, is, is it, it a membership fee maybe? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, you don't want to like pigeonhole, mm-hmm. you don't want to box yourself into these definitions if or obscure your message by, yeah. This also language is interesting because we color the words in different ways and, and also across different languages. One thing that's very funny is that um, if you speak Spanish at all, uh, which I, I speak very poorly, but um, uh, there is an interesting thing where uh, you have this state, you, you use verbs that in a way that we don't have it in English where you can say it in a permanent way or just as a state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then different Spanish-speaking countries for the word married, uh, well, some countries will use it as a permanent state, and some will use you know, as a permanent thing, as a you know kind of similar to how you would say I'm a tired person or I feel tired right now. Some people will say I'm married right now, or someone like I'm a married person, and it's just like those kind of nuances that my different languages have um, is something we also we have in our own language, like government or capitalism, or corporation or company or business man slash woman, you know. These things are all just loaded. They're colored with with how our culture uses the word. It'll be interesting to see how you, uh, going forward, sort of try to address that issue of like getting people to recognize that what you're talking about is something larger than just you know, it's bigger than just creating a country on the you know, That's mm-hmm. like it's a it's a term we can all like relate to and get excited by. But like at least if, if I understand you correctly, it's it's something that's going to be more evolving and, and, and bigger than that. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a different. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of looking at people other than yourselves and relating to them. I mean, yeah. that's it's messing with the fundamentals of our reality. Yeah, way. like it's big. It's huge. It's exactly. Like, you know. And we kind of yeah, as an abstract thinker, uh, I, I like pulling back and looking at things in, in that way. Yeah, I'm very like I like to analyze systems and see mm-hmm. you know, how they came about. Like why you know, the, mm-hmm. like the, and that you know, there's a dynamic way of thinking. And then if you start to like, well, you know, okay, this system's this way, but if you change this portion of this system in this way, yeah. what's the cascading effect? Exactly, which is a hard, it's a tricky way to think about things. It's very easy to see the, you know, the local thing, but you kind of lose track of it further out in the system. And no one can, can see the, the full thing at the same time. But there is something about having knowledge about the fact that there is a ripple effect or a butterfly. You play chess? Uh, not much. A little bit as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why do people do small talk? 
I mean, I think that that's similar to you know why we laugh and things. You know, if you look at evolution, um, it's about testing the waters. Uh, you can't like I, I I like massive talks, which is what I I call the the opposite. Uh, but you can't start small talk with the first word. So I think you you small talk and then you look for you know little like that one thing that makes you realize that you have something something in common that you want to get deep into. Um, yeah. And also, sometimes people are just tired. Uh, yeah, I, I can, you know, sometimes at a party, I'm just, I'm ready to, you know, dive in and massive talk with everyone. Other times, I'm just like, you know, I have to be here, but I'd rather be at home and I'm not going to get that deep into things. And yeah, it's a mood thing too. And for sure, a cultural thing. I mean, in England, they're great small talk and it gets frustrating after a while. In New York, people are very massive talkers on average, I would say. Yeah. We're from Philadelphia. Uh, one of the reasons why we started this podcast was we both working in jobs where we had to engage in a lot of small talk. I mean, like the worst kind of small talk, too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, hey, how's the weather? Inescapable small talk yeah, over and over together, again. Like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I tend to, on average, kind of look for that thing just because I'm, I'm inherently a curious person if I'm with someone. Uh, I try to look for the thing that I can learn something. Mm-hmm. about from someone which is everyone everyone can teach me something totally. Totally. Yeah. that was an awesome answer <laughs> alright uh, can you say all the places where people can find you and anything you want to plug yeah I mean you, you can find uh, us at safetwing at safetwing.com um, right now like I said the landing page is a um, insurance product but there will be more things to come and uh, more content related to, to this um, if you just register you will you will receive our emails you don't have to buy the product you can just register without buying myself I'm online Facebook Instagram and uh, yeah I uh, uh, would love to for everyone to follow Safe Doing's journey thank you for going to do something important in the world and the more people we have on our side the more likely we are to finish our project quicker I'm certainly looking forward to see the journey and full and confidence be a part of it uh, yes absolutely yeah. well thank you so so much for taking the time to do this it was yeah, amazing to talk to you yeah, I love so what you're doing we're very excited for this so thank you yeah. thanks so much for having me this is, uh, I love the questions Seems like an awesome podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Check it out. <laughs> it's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. <laughs> okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.